Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson rejoining us again, coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Hey, everybody. How are we doing? Everybody can find me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. I'm doing well, Charlie. How about yourself? No complaints. Terry, how are you and where can the fans find you? You can find me on Twitter at Cushman MLB. I have been causing an unusual amount of mischief lately on that account. So go check it out. Dan Shaughnessy uh, quote tweeted me a couple weeks ago and the Bluminati were just humping me all day long on Twitter. It was uh, it was quite the day. It was uh, for sure interesting. I do remember seeing that retweet. And yes, there were a couple of people that I think were just a little jealous that uh, Shaughnessy didn't retweet them. That might be uh, just my opinion, but somehow I don't think it's just going to be mine. Terry, with all that fun stuff going on, you did great leading us off. Why don't you do it again? You're, you, you do pretty well from the leadoff spot. Chubby guy in the leadoff spot again. Uh, let me get to it. Uh, I am going with. Roberto Gee, I think is how he pronounces it. I could be wrong. He says Hernandez and Duvall uh, with the in parentheses reluctantly. So he trading Duvall is, is hard for him, apparently. Uh, he says Hernandez, Duvall in a decent, not primo prospect for a decent starter. And I'm assuming that's a starting pitcher. Now, here's the problem with that. Hernandez and Duvall are on one-year deals. So a team isn't going to deal a starting pitcher if they're trying to contend with two rental guys. It just doesn't make sense. A team that needs Kike is probably looking for an outfielder who can defend you know, above average. And then Duvall has, you know, he was on the the 2021 Braves championship team. So has a little bit of a championship pedigree there. That's not a team that's going to give up a starter, unfortunately. Let me also add, uh, because we haven't really mentioned this on any other episode. If the Red Sox are, in fact, buyers and we are trending that way, we've got another cupcake series against Oakland. Uh, there's a Cubs series that the Red Sox should take two out of three in. Um, a couple of tougher ones after that. But um, should the Red Sox be buyers, Bloom really needs to target a pitcher that has at least another year of control beyond this year. I don't want to see big name prospects you know, like a Blaze Jordan type guy. I'm assuming Meyer and York are untouchable, but I don't want to see our higher end guys traded for just a rental. Give us somebody that's controllable. And next winter's free agent market, 
isn't super robust. I know Aaron Nola is in it. Some people are really high on him. I'm not, but uh, Lucas Giolito is a free agent next year. Blake Snell is a free agent. Um, you know, those are guys that are okay and could certainly help a rotation, especially in terms of durability. Nola and Giolito, very durable, you know, so that would break the trend uh, this year. But but please, if we are going to be buyers, give us somebody controllable. We don't need any rentals. I don't want to lose any prospects over rentals. Cody. Terry, you nailed it right on the head, right? As as much as buyers as we can be this year, you know, I, I think I might be one of the more optimistic guys on the podcast. I don't think we're contending, right? Okay, Charlie, you can calm down with those facial expressions. <laughs> um but yeah, you can absolutely ship those guys out, right? If it's Hernandez, it's Fitz Duval, a mid-level prospect. I'll pack the bags myself. As long as it's somebody that can be here for a couple of years, help us build towards the future. It could even be your number three or number four starter, but a guy that's going to be able to be reliable. You know, I think, uh, again, Terry mentioned it with the free agent market not being that great this year and all of those guys that could be coming in the door uh, in the offseason are going to come with high price tags as well, right? And that hasn't been the MO of this front office uh, for this past couple of years, especially in, um, in, in the pitching domain, no less. Uh, so I don't think, you know, losing Hernandez or Duvall uh, would particularly hurt you. It's just, you know, what are going to be those prospects that are walking out the door? You guys brought up a lot of uh, really great points and I just want to sum it up. If you're reluctant to give up Duvall, I hope you're reluctant to get a good starter or something good hernandez has been anything but great so far this year he's been an awesome recruiter no no questions there but that's kind of where that great part ends uh duvall has not been the same since his injury and if the idea is to sell someone at their highest point then you missed your boat pre-injury uh you're not going to get anything for those two uh Roberto, I appreciate the the, uh, the sentiment, the idea, but it's just it's not going to happen. And, and Cody brought up a couple of points. Definitely one of the more positive guys in the podcast, no question there. Uh, we are the fifth best team in the American League East. We are better than the leaders in the AL Central. Back the AL East going through the Central are in one through ten order, which is wild. Um, just goes to show you how weak the Central is and truthfully how strong the AL East is. And while we're only a couple games out of a wild card spot, we are, again, one problem away from having everything get derailed again. And I think we need to be smart and kind of reset it. And this might be the year to do that by trading pieces away. Uh, Terry and Cody both look like they got something to say. Terry, why don't you go ahead? I'm just going down the top 25 in ERA this year. And I, obviously, I'm not going to go through all of them right now. But most of them aren't going to be moved. Uh, you know, Dane Dunning not going anywhere. He's with the Rangers. Uh, Sonny Gray won't be traded because the Twins are contending. It's a terrible division, but they're not going to deal him. Um the only two people in the top 25 right now that are movable is Marcus Stroman, who's a free agent at the end of the year. So again, he's a rental. I want to stay away from rentals if they're going to be costly. I don't want to move any serious prospects for a rental. Another guy I could totally see Bloom doing this. 
He's having a great year. I don't know if he's got any. He won't. He won't be super expensive. So the, this is the type of a rental guy I think the Red Sox could get. Uh, Jordan Montgomery from the St. Louis Cardinals has a three point two three ERA, a WHIP of one two two. Um, he's six and seven on the year and eighteen starts. You know, wins and losses don't really mean much, but. That's the type of rental that shouldn't cost a ton. Let me flip over for 25 through 50. Let me just see if anyone jumps out at me. Um, Lucas Giolito, rental, no thank you. Uh, let's see. Oh, Shane Bieber could be uh, on the block. He might have an extra year of control, actually, but that's going to be costly. And he's not the strikeout guy he used to be either. But that that's about it. You, you'd have to go all the way down to number 49, Anthony DiScalfani. And, and the Giants are contending. So I don't think they'd want to part with, you know, any of these guys. So um, just saying it's, it's, not, it's not a great market out there. It, it's sadly just not our year. It's just not our year. And I think you have to you're going to have to cut your losses and, and, you know, cut bait here. This is just not our year. You're seeing a lot of other teams do a lot more with eons less. It's a product of how well those teams have been doing this year. I'm not going to take anything away from them. They've been doing great. They deserve all the credit that they've had. We've just been unfortunately in a really bad streak of a lot of things going wrong all at the same time. Hopefully things turn around, but 2023 just isn't going to be that year where things start to do that, unfortunately. That's just a statement of fact. Uh, Cody, why don't you go second with your hot take? Uh, so this hot take comes from the Josh Winkowski aficionado um, at Red Sox on JST. Uh, they say Red Sox sell even with current momentum, and Turner, Jansen, Duvall, Martin, and Hernandez are all gone by August 2nd. Um lot to unpack there. I don't I don't even know if we, we can cover it all, but to to punt on pretty much all of those names would undo all of the work of the last offseason, if not the last couple, right? Um, you know, Turner's having uh, a resurgence here. We talked about that on the last podcast. You know, he's been on fire as of recently. Jansen's close to 20 saves at the break. Um, he's been locked down. You know, Martin's been everything and more from what you could have hoped for, right? An eighth inning guy, set it and forget it. I think he's got a, what, a sub two ERA at this point. Um, Duvall was on fire to start the year, had that unfortunate injury and is kind of finding his way back. And, you know, as Charlie has, has often brought up, Hernandez, you know, his, his best ability might be a recruiter at this point, but hey, look who is brought in the door. Um, and to get rid of all of these guys, would be unless you know they're all going to you know anaheim for uh, a certain player named shohei i i can't even think of what returns these individual players would get and i don't know why uh los angeles would do that trade either i mean hey we'd take it if that was the opportunity but um i can't even i can't even think of scenarios that would that would pop up to where you can move those players to get enough in return to to turn the team calendar year over to 24 uh, with promise. Terry. Um, let's see. I'm spacing out here. Whose uh, hot take was that again, Cody? 
So that's that was cool. a Josh Winkowski aficionado. Yep. Okay. So Red Sox sell even with the current momentum and Turner, right, right, Jansen, right. Duvall. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I don't think, I mean, Duvall could go cause he's expendable. There's no way Jansen's going in my opinion, because I really feel like, I really feel like the, um, Bloom is just under the gun. If, if he has to sell, he's not coming back next year. All the picks he made in the draft tonight were for the next GM. If, if he ends up being a seller, I don't think he survives the season if he is. And when you look at the Red Sox schedule here, um, I kind of went through it um, a second ago. I know we have Chicago right away. Then we fly out to Oakland for just uh, one series. And then after that, you have the Mets who have been trash. Let's face it. Um, you got the Braves for two games. Then you've got the Giants. This isn't a tough July. It's it's really not. That, that last week, I guess, could be tough. The two games, uh, they're going to be at Fenway for what that's worth against the Braves. But then you go west. And, you know, you got the Giants for three. Not a hitter's park by any means. One of the worst ones in Major League Baseball. And what day is the deadline? Is it August 1st or 2nd? It's the 2nd. So you're going to have... Let's see. You're going to have the Mariners on... July 31st and then you're going to have uh you're going to have game 2 of that series on August 1st. So only that final week is tough. So I I can't imagine a scenario where the Red Sox are 5 games above and then we end up being sellers. I think we're going to be buyers. So Jansen and all those players uh mentioned in the hot take I think are going to stay put. I apologize. So just according to a couple of different sources, it looks like August 1st is the deadline, not August 2nd. So I apologize. Okay. I'm holding up the second for the second, but it was, uh, it looks like it's the first. So that's one game against the Mariners, but that's still, that's still six games and four out of those six are out West. Right. Um, so here's the thing. Terry usually starts it off with, Here's the bad news. Um, the Red Sox, like Terry already kind of talked about it. If the Red Sox end up being sellers, which I do think they will be to some degree, I don't think that the, even though the Red Sox were able to win was eight of their last nine games. They took two out of three against Texas. They swept Toronto. They swept uh, Oakland. Oakland's a joke. Toronto has been struggling immensely. Taking two out of three from Texas is pretty impressive, including one against your former guy who's been the guy in the American league this year. Um, if you were to trade all those pieces, you know, you mentioned Turner, Jansen, Duvall, Martin Hernandez. I don't think you're, you're trading Turner. If you trade Jensen for whatever reason, you're throwing in the towel. Martin becomes your de facto closer. Now you have no eighth inning guy. He's going too. Uh, if Jansen's going, Martin's going. <laughs> Everybody's going exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Is is everybody going? I, I I don't think you're going to get a trade partner for Kike, so that's not happening. So that's why I think there's just there's too many names there. Uh, Justin Turner's been elite. 
I really don't want him going anywhere. I, I think it would send an awful message to anybody who's considering coming to Boston. Like, oh, things are going bad after, you know, six minutes. Everyone's gone. We're just going to start trading everybody away. And let's not forget, Kike Hernandez is, is the reason Justin Turner, Kenley Jensen, Chris Martin are all playing there. Literally, you can thank him for three guys on that team. Thank him. Go ahead and do it. So not only are you saying, thank you, Kike, goodbye, Kike, goodbye, all the people that you brought over to, we're just going to pretend this era never happened. Like six minutes of baseball with all these guys never happened. It's just, it seems too much of a, you know, of a far cry there. I, I, I think the Red Sox could try to potentially buy a piece or, and whatnot, but here's the thing. Um, you know, Terry talked about the schedule a little bit. Um, again, we ended the first half on a high note. You get to see the Oakland athletics again, right after, which is fun, but you do have some, some tough games, even though July is going to be tough. Atlanta's only a two game set, but come August you're facing, I mean, teams that are damning. You got a 10 game stretch against the Houston Astros and the Dodgers. And then after three games set with KC, you face Tampa Bay baltimore again for six so while july is going to be cushy warm and fuzzy august is going to be brutal painful and full of kleenex so you know say what you want to say but it's uh, you can't get rid of all those guys i don't think bloom is long for for the red Sox either terry something you want to add so the first half of august isn't bad i mean we're seven and zero against the blue jays we got a three-game set against them um you got four games against kc three against detroit three against the nationals so that takes you through august uh 17th then it gets tough we've got a good record against the yankees i'm assuming they're probably going to be tougher Next time around, sounds like they're about to fire their hitting coach. So who knows what that'll be. Judge, I'm guessing maybe might be back by then, even though there's still no timetable. But then Charlie, like you said, it gets it ramps up insanely after that. You got a four game set against the Astros in Houston. The Dodgers come to Fenway for three. Then you got a three game set against the uh, Astros uh at Fenway then you flip over to September you do start the month with a cupcake series against the Royals but then it's a gauntlet you got the Tampa Bay Rays for three the Orioles for three the Yankees for four the Blue Jays for three the Rangers for three that one's going to be in Texas White Sox for three they took two out of three against us and then you end the year with Tampa and Baltimore that's a brutal month. That's probably the most. That's awful. That's the most brutal month of the year. That's awful. And here's the thing, guys. If we get close, and you get close to sniffing it, and you end up losing by a game, all that work we did, adding those pieces, would have been for nothing, for literally nothing. <laughs> and and here's the thing: you're two games out now, and we can you know say great. July is going to be cupcake. First half of August are going to be great. In less than two weeks, in less than a week, I remember the Red Sox were, you know, X games over 500. In a week's time, they were back to 500. I mean, it took you a month and a half to get X amount of games over 500. And in a week's time, you lost that whole thing. You lost six in a row or eight out of nine or nine out of 10, whatever it was, to the point where you're eight, nine games over 500, back to 500. And, and, 
end of the year is going to be really hard, guys. It's going to be very difficult. Tampa Bay and Baltimore have been two of the hottest teams and at one point were the best two teams in Major League Baseball before Atlanta asked us kindly to hold their beer. Uh, Terry, what else you want to add? So if, if the Red Sox make the playoffs and then they get bounced right away, is that, is that good? Like, is that a successful season? Are we happy with that? Cause I'm not like if the season ended today, let's just pretend it's the Red Sox in the third wild card spot and not the Blue Jays. We would play Cleveland and we've won a series against them and we've lost a series against them. Um, I just, I don't, that's why I'm like, I just want Bloom to be fired. I want, I want a smart GM in there. Who's going to make really good baseball moves. I want a GM in there that resembles, you know, the three before Heim that won a combined four championships. That's what I want. And my biggest fear is we'll make the playoffs, we'll get bounced, and then next July we'll be debating on whether we're buyers or sellers again, you know, being in fourth or fifth place. I just the insanity <laughs> this is just not good for my mental health yeah it's, it's been tough cody you've been awfully quiet are, are you starting to not be as positive or <laughs> i mean if if we were you know as, as terry just kind of mentioned in that hypothetical right if we were to sneak into that third wild card spot which was my preseason prediction i think all of us would take that right you know sure it isn't going to be a, a deep run in the playoffs although if we get cleveland who knows um but given the way that the season has gone given the way that we talked about them in the offseason i think any sort of postseason or playoff appearance would have been a win and we would have taken it day one given the opportunity it does nothing for me <laughs> it's uh it's it's going to be fun. I know we got a, a couple other hot takes on here. Uh, this one comes from our very own Face the Facts 15, Nick Face. James Paxson gives you 12 or more wins this season with a low three ERA. Nick, no commas in there, so I'm assuming that you mean 12 wins total and not 12 wins after the All-Star break. If that were your take, holy crap, you would have the best starter of all time in the second half ever. Um, let's, let's be real here with James Paxson. I think everybody in Red Sox nation owns this, owes this man an apology guy's been absolutely stellar. He's already had a sub three ERA has a sub one whip, at least before his last appearance. Uh, the guy has been absolutely incredible. Absolutely insane. A sub one ERA, a sub two, seven, five ERA. He's five and one. Seven wins after the All-Star break, assuming he doesn't get injured, why not? I mean, sure, I could see him getting 12, but I can also unfortunately see him getting 12 total wins and not on the Red Sox, which is really, really difficult, guys. Uh, I'd love to see James Paxson get 12 all with the Red Sox and stay with the team for this year, especially since we were incredibly patient. We paid him last year. He didn't even throw a pitch, and now he's he's doing damage. I mean – we're looking at five of his last five of his last six appearances have been quality. He's only had one blip, if you can call it that, in his last eight starts. And that was a you know a brutal one against LA. But since that game in late May, 
he has been lights out. You've seen that ERA drop from 5.14 to 2.73. He's won four games in that stretch and arguably probably should have won the other two games that he, he didn't get wins for. So he very well could be 7-1 and one right now. It's just it's insane. But, yeah, I definitely think it's, it's possible. Uh, Cody, why don't you weigh in second? I mean, this might be the least – least hot take that uh, we, we've gotten in the, in the comments uh, for tonight's show. Um, I think it is very feasible. You know, as Charlie mentioned, we've been incredibly patient with, with James Paxton and, uh, you know, with an injury history that he has um, and the performance that he's been giving us in the front half of the season. I'm glad that he, you know, didn't rush back, didn't, you know, uh, try to get to the mound, you know, to, to silence the haters, to fend off that pressure and, you know, was smart to listen to his body because, um, you know, the best ability is availability. And, you know, not only has he been available, but he's been reliable. Um, Him has been everything we could have ever hoped for. And then some since he's come back, right. You know, every time he looks a little weird or every time he looks a little queasy, we're like, Oh no, you know, what is it? Uh, We're, we're so used to this guy kind of falling apart and knock on wood. It, It hasn't happened. So, um, you know, I think they're going to keep on keeping on. The offense seems to pick him up when he when he pitches. So I think you know seven extra wins in in the second half of the season. Uh, hopefully they are for us. And how wild is it that we're sitting here at the trade deadline, be like, man, we hope we retain James Paxton's services. Uh, talk about things that we never thought we would have said at the beginning of the season. So, Terry, what are your thoughts? I'm still waiting on him to go on the injured list for pulling a muscle I've never even heard of, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. So, um, but he, as Charlie said, he has pitched phenomenally well in the last, in his last seven starts, the Red Sox have won four of those games. So four out of his last seven starts have been wins for the Red Sox in all three of those games starts that the Red Sox did not win. Paxton only gave up one earned run in all three of those. So he wasn't the reason uh, the Red Sox lost. So he's, he's been lights out, you know, the, the velocity has been up around 97, 98. He didn't punch out a lot of guys, uh, you know, in his, Last start, you know, just had a kid. Maybe he hasn't been sleeping too well. Maybe it uh, messes up the focus a little bit. But he's in the month of in the month of June. He he punched out nine, eight, seven, only three against Chicago, and then seven to close out the month against the Blue Jays. Like he's punching guys out, punching tickets, as uh, Dustin Pedroia would say. So. We'll see. 12 wins, though. Oh, I, I don't. I mean, he's probably going to make what? That's in the last two, two months. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's probably only got, what, eight or ten starts in that in that time frame, I think. So. It's uh, it's going to be interesting, and and you know while Cody says it's probably not that the hottest take. I mean, this is definitely like one of the more feel good stories that the Red Sox have had this year. Honestly, it's probably top two or three. Jared Duran's also got to be in that category for feel good after a disastrous twenty twenty two. He has just completely reversed his own curse. I mean, I I hope it's true. I hope he does get twelve or more. Totally honest. Uh. 
Terry, why don't you hit us with your uh, second hot take? My next one, bear with me, is from Kevin McLaughlin. And he says, the Red Sox are turning Whitlock into Daniel Bard 2.0. Unfortunately, uh, I'm starting to get Chris Sale, Clay Buckles vibes with, uh, with Garrett Whitlock. Dude just can't stay healthy. I mean, what was the diagnosis? A bruise on his elbow this time and no real timetable. I don't know if it's mechanics or perhaps just bad genetics on his part that make him not that durable. Um, but you almost have to put him in the bullpen. If you want him to pitch all six months, it has to be for one or two innings at a time. It, it can't be for, you know, six to 12 innings a week. It just can't be. He's just not durable enough. His body will not hold up. And that's how Chris Sale is. I mean, with Sale, how many pitchers have ever cracked a rib by throwing a pitch and then fractured a shoulder blade? Like, what are you doing to your body during your delivery to make that happen to you? It's just, it's unbelievable and... Those are the vibes I get from Whitlock. With Bard, it was a head thing. It was all in his head. And specifically, it was anxiety. And he had a bout with it this year where he missed a couple weeks. And then he came back. And then he had two scoreless outings at Fenway Park. If he was going to have a... If Bard was going to have a problem, it probably would have been at Fenway Park. Because that's his haunted house. That's that's where his career essentially ended, you know, eight or ten years ago, however long it was. And um and and Bard pitched well. But with, with Whitlock it's physical, with Bard it's mental. So I don't know that that's a really good comp. Cody. Uh series results aside, I think all of Red Sox Nation and everybody in general, uh was excited to see Daniel Bard have success at Fenway Park again, you know, just to have that full circle moment um, with all the things that he has battled. It was just good to be able to see him take the mound, have a su successful outing. Unfortunately, it's against the Red Sox, but, you know, that's one of those things that's bigger than baseball. Um, it is really unfortunate to see it again. And I, you know, I think anybody that's been a fan of the team, you know, since the, the 2000s is kind of having those PTSD flashbacks, right? You had this elite level closer, Eighth inning guy, ninth inning guy, whatever you needed. You needed two or three innings out of the bullpen. He got you. You needed, um, you know, you're in a jam. You need some strikeouts. He was your guy. And then they're like, well, what if, you know, it's that meme, right? Like the guy's walking with a girl and he's looking at the other girl and, and his first girl's mad at him, right? Uh, you know, I'm doing a poor job explaining this meme, but I think everybody knows what we're talking about. You had what everybody dreams of in a setup man or a closer if you needed it. And then you're like, but what if we just messed it all up for no reason? Unprompted, nobody, you know, maybe Whitlock's having conversations or, or whatnot, or, you know, we needed to have an extra starter. But you fixed something that wasn't broken, and now it's broken for real. And you're not getting any of that value, right? They were keeping him on a pitch um, limit restrictions. You know, occasionally they would let him go a full seven. But I, it just, 
it boggles my mind for this organization on top of any other organization to do it, right? Because we had that experience with Daniel Bard. We had somebody that was lights out, didn't have to worry about it, and we messed it up. And then we're just going down the same path again, you know? It's only a mistake if you don't learn something from it, and it's apparent that we did not learn anything. And that is, to me, the biggest blunder, right? Um, it's just a bummer. You know, Terry made a great point. The difference between mental and physical, sure, you know, Whitlock just can't say healthy, absolutely. But why do we even put him in that position, right? You know, relievers are making good money now, too. It's not like it's a, a contract thing. Sure, you can make more money as a starter, absolutely. But nobody would pay him starter money because he's not a starter because he's not pitching. Right. So, you know, he got that extension. You can say, hey, man, we can make this more incentive laden, hit 75 innings, hit 80 innings or whatever it is as as a reliever, you know, hit this many strikeouts and we'll give you that bonus money or, you know, whatever it ends up being to get you into the to the starter realm. If that's really what this is about, get creative with the solutions. Don't put them in the rotation because it just hasn't worked as, you know, as much as it kills all of us to watch. So. When Daniel Bard left the Red Sox in 2013, he was done. Two years before that, he had a very ugly 2-9 e, uh, record, which was bizarre. Uh, he had a 3.33 ERA and was recognized as one of the best eighth-inning arms, period. Not in the Red Sox organization, not in the American League East, not in the American League, in baseball. And it wasn't disputed. If he was in there, you were getting the eighth inning handled, no problem. Then the experiment happened. They thought, let's see what can what can we do the following year in 2012. Completely fell apart. ERA blew up twofold. Couldn't get anything done to save his life. In 2013, two games, one inning pitched, and was done for the next six years. Literally, not heard of went into, I think, if I'm not mistaken, became a coach and then came back to being a reliever with the Colorado Rockies. And everyone thought, what? Daniel Bard is back? I thought he was done because he was. 28 years old, was discarded, put on top of the pile, put the cards away, hang up the cleats. You're done, son. And seven years later, after that fiasco at the age of 35, refines himself as a closer, not as a reliever, uh, uh, sorry, not as a starter, where he should have remained. Never should have been made into a starter. Biggest mistake we ever made. I'm curious to know what would have happened with Daniel Bard if he never was made a starter. And here we are 10 years later, and we've learned nothing from that mistake. We've learned nothing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Garrett Whitlock was paid to be a reliever, not a starter. Paying him as a reliever and then making him a starter, to me, seems like BS. I thought that was crap because, to Cody's point, relievers are getting paid pretty good money. Chris Martin is getting paid $8.5 million a year to be a 7th, 8th inning arm. Why in the world did we ever think in a million years that that experiment was just all of a sudden going to work the second time when it absolutely blew up in our face the first time? He hasn't been injured once. He hasn't been injured twice. He's been injured more than that. And that's only what we're being told. It, it's, it just it blows my mind. He's not a starter. He is a reliever. Put him back in the bullpen. Let's end this nightmare. 
as Cody mentioned, again, I strongly support that that message of make it incentive laden. He pitches 80 innings, 100 strikeouts, something like that. Give him an extra million or two million, whatever you want to do. But God Almighty, please get him out of the starting rotation. It's it's a disaster. The 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 issue with Bard happened when he was 28 years old. Garrett Whitlock is a year younger than that, and it's it's the same thing. 28 is when he was done. 27 is when Bard started experiencing the same issues. It is literally Daniel Bard 2.0. I 100% agree with that take. And yes, it is happening. And the Red Sox need to figure it out by not doing that anymore. Terry, anything you want to add? Well, the problem this year is they, they've kind of made their bed. I mean, they desperately need a Whitlock to join the rotation. I mean, you can't have two bullpen games a week or every five times through. So you, the, I think that's why Whitlock's been in there. You know, when he had that ulnar neuritis, I was thinking, well, if he comes back, he's certainly going back to the bullpen. Guess what? Went, went right into the rotation I mean, it just seems like everybody's a reliever. Everybody's a failed starter on this team, except for Brian Bayo. We we have options. They're not the prettiest options, but having Whitlock in the starting rotation, if that's your option, just expect him to go back on the aisle again at one point or two points. I mean, that that's literally what you're you're basically telling us for the rest of his career. <laughs> for the rest of his career, that's, that's pretty much like. it. He's a one-two inning guy, two, one or two inning uh, appearance guy. You get the next two, three days off, games, days off, play around with it, and hopefully the schedule kind of works out in favor. That's it. Stop messing with the system that's not broken. It's just ridiculous. Uh, Cody, what was your second hot take? My second hot take comes by the way of SteadyEddieDraftDive.com. Crazy that Heim told Kike this year would be different, and now he's not good enough to stay on the team. Period. Yikes. Period. Um, I definitely remember uh, that kind of moment in the offseason, right? Kike was kind of waffling. Was he going to come back to the Sox? And we were all begging him on bended knee. Man, we can't do this without you, Kike. You got to stay. You're one of the bona fide you know, major leaguers that we've got on this team. Electric and outfield, gold glove type defense. Please, please, please stay. And that pretty much turned on its head. Um, I think this is an outcome that none of us would have predicted in the offseason. Um, you know, Kike has, you know, said all the right things, did all the right things in spring training, was looking like he was going to be the team leader, the shortstop, um, a proverbial captain, if you will. And he's just kind of played his way out of that role, unfortunately. Um, and another thing that's, you know, kind of crazy to see is when he's on the grass in center field, he makes great plays day in and day out. His bat comes alive, but we've got a log jam of outfielders now. Duran's played himself into the everyday conversation. Uh, Takora's chagrin, it appears. You know, we have Duvall now, and and where do you put this guy? Um, this is an embarrassment of, of riches or, you know, one guy that potentially just kind of fell out of favor, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, but it's definitely uh, an unexpected outcome that I don't think anybody uh, could have foreseen. Charlie, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm happy to weigh in. Uh, Terry, is there anything you want to go, or do you want me to go right into this? Because I can talk for days. Go ahead. All right, cool. So this is going to be real cute. Um, this is going to be fun. Uh, I get to actually use this, and I'm really excited. So steadyeddiedraftdive.com, E. Anthony, uh, Chimasco or Chimasco, I apologize if I butchered it. Not intentional. 
Here's the bad news. I finally get to say it. I'm so excited. The reason why Kike Hernandez came back for the umpteenth time, and this is not directed towards you, but this is just for anybody listening, is because we promised, we told him, we will build a better team in 2023. And while he's not great, that team that was built around him and the rest of the team, however you want to look at it, is partially because of Kike Hernandez. has nothing to do with Haim Bloom and other people on that team. Kenley Jensen, Chris Martin, Justin Turner are there all because of Kike Hernandez. If he goes back to what he should have been, which was a bench role player and not a starter, I think we see a much better Kike Hernandez. Kike Hernandez in 2021, his first year for the Boston Red Sox, had 20 homers, six R- uh, 60 RBIs, hit around 250. The last two years, which included a, um, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it a hip injury that really derailed the season last year? Last I, year, yeah. Right? So over the last two years, he's played in 170-some-odd games, got 12 homers, 76 RBIs. He's still hitting around 220. The batting average is still 220 from last year. That hasn't changed. The on-base percentage has gone down. The doubles number have, have has gone down. Sluggage OPS have all gone down. The strikeout numbers have ticked up a fair amount. But here's the thing. We tried to make a not-starter into a starter. Are you kind of getting where I'm going with this? If you're not a starter, don't try to convert someone into a starter. It didn't work with Garrett Whitlock. It's not working with Kike Hernandez. Kike is someone now at 30 who just is not that starting guy. Who's your starting center fielder? Jaron Duran. Who's your starting shortstop? We got a plethora of options, and one, I'm going to have to eat my own toast on this one, which sucks. At Alberto Montesi was someone who I was really excited for. Could not wait to see him come back in, and it hasn't happened. Trevor Story, not back yet. When he comes back, he will be the de facto shortstop, which will push Kike Hernandez into that bench role, which I promise you, and I will eat toast again if I'm wrong, will dramatically change his numbers both offensively and defensively. Right now, he is not good enough to be in your starting rotation because he never should have been on that starting rotation lineup, period. I completely understand where you're coming from saying he's not good enough to stay on the team. I still would have Kike Hernandez on this team rather than some other names, You guys already know who I don't like, and sometimes they have good appearances. Folks, we just faced Oakland. Everyone should have a good series. But here's the other bad news, too. If you get rid of somebody who you promised and committed $10 million to, we promise, like we're looking for him around you, and you sell him, you DFA him, you trade him, you do whatever to him, and he's not a member of this team by the end of 2023, you have effectively told players in Major League Baseball Boston is not a destination city. Boston is not a place that treats its players well. You already have players that have left Boston that have said the same thing. And maybe that's part of the reason why they weren't doing well. And that's part of the tired. They stopped having fun. He, he is literally one of the only players on this team that you cannot get rid of. You cannot do it for all the reasons I just said. He's the reason why players came to Boston. He is not a clubhouse cancer. He is someone you want to have in. When is the last time that someone ever said anything bad about Kike Hernandez? I'll wait. It hasn't happened. I can sit here all day, all night, and I'll wait until next week. 
It won't happen. It just won't. I could keep talking about Kike Hernandez. I won't speak poorly about him. Yes, he's having a rough season, but Jesus, as rough as it is, we would not have had some of the players that we had on our team without him. And I can continue to go in a circle about everything I've just said, but I will stop. And Terry, I will let you have the floor because I'm starting to get a little heated. <laughs> Another way to look at it, and I thought you were going to get there, uh, you know, in, in part of your take, Kike kind of blew it too. I mean, he was handed the reins at shortstop and he just couldn't do it. You know, so that that is part of the problem. Um, the Dodgers, after 2020, I mean, Kike was on that team. He was hitting home runs in the NLCS against the Braves and, uh, you know, had some big moments. Had some big moments with the Red Sox in the 2021 playoff run. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers knew he was not an everyday player. And the Red Sox thought he was. And it's just another example in a long pattern of the Red Sox misidentifying what players actually are. And Charlie, you did kind of mention that with the with the Whitlock thing. And um, I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, they tried everything with Franchi Cordero. They tried him in right field. They tried him at first base. You know, they they keep trying to force things that aren't really a thing. And, you know, it is what it is. And I think Kike Hernandez, I mean, to me, he's kind of like one of the the stalwarts of, of the Bloom era. <laughs> Me not being a Bloom guy, you know, can't wait for some of these guys to be gone. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a real possibility Kike Hernandez will not be with the Boston Red Sox on Friday when they go to Chicago. There is a possibility, as crazy as it sounds. So thank you for eloquently filling in the little mad libs gaps that i left there the little breadcrumbs because i mean here's the thing yeah the, the dodgers didn't value him the same way that the red sox thought okay cool let's give him a chance the dodgers and red sox have had a long long time relationship of having players not work out for one team and then get sent over there or end up at the other team you know as for as long as i can remember you think about nomar garcia Parra, who was an original longtime boston red sox Went to the Chicago Cubs, played for the Oakland A's, ended up playing for the Dodgers, ended up winning Comeback Player of the Year as a member of the Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken. Not looking at his numbers, I think he had like 20 homers, 93 RBIs, something like that. Um, and then we had, of course, mega trades. You know, the David Price and, um, you know, the David Price being shipped out over there. Then you had, um, you know, Josh Beckett and, you know, Manny Ramirez, like all of these guys that have gotten traded and, and, and sent out uh west and players that have come east too but here's the thing i would be i will be very vocal about it and i will be very po'd i will try really hard not to say that word on the air because i'm very good about the language uh at least on the air if he is not a member of this team by august 1st i am going to be really really upset really upset because there are going to be a bunch of players that become free agents and players are going to have their eyes open for cities. And I guarantee you, if Kike Hernandez is not there, 
Mookie Betts left. Mookie has opened his mouth about it. JD has left. He's opened his mouth about it. I don't care about JD as much as I care about Mookie and as much as I care about somebody like Ike Hernandez, who's an all-around good guy. I guarantee you the Boston Red Sox team will be crossed off the list of teams that they want to play for. Terry, go ahead. I I brought this up recently. I'll bring it up one more time. How much money did Kike Hernandez cost himself by taking this one-year deal? Because next year, I mean, how much is he really worth this winter? And you look at a guy like Christian Vasquez, who got a three-year, $30 million deal from the Twins. I'm going to say that's probably about what Kike would have got had he just said no to Bloom and then entered free agency. Despite being injured last year, he was still that that 2021 playoff run was still pretty fresh at that point. So I think he would have gotten a uh, a pretty good free agent deal, and he's going to be lucky to get five or six million next year. And I would not be shocked if he's relegated to a minor league contract with a team, you know, much like Rymel Tapia was this year, and. Uh, you know, Jorge Alfaro and a lot of other players. Yeah. Um, Cody, anything else you want to add to that one? Yeah. I mean, we can always play the what ifs, right? Did he cost himself money by turning down, you know, potentially other deals outside of Boston? But this is a player that has had success in Boston. It wasn't like we were selling him on a false set of goods. You know, he, he played himself out of those potential earnings, right? Had he continued to produce at that 260, you know, well, I don't think we're expecting 20 bombs because that's that seems to be above, you know, player value. But even if it was just average offense and not all the errors that he has committed, we would be fine, right? It's, it's he's playing subpar defense and he's not hitting, right? And, you know, or it's, you know, he's playing in a position that he's theoretically out of position at, right? We loved him in center field, and he still played well in center field this year. Is that a core decision? Is that a lineup decision? Is that a front office, you know, makeup of the roster? You know, we can pass the buck around, and that can be a discussion for another time. But had he had a similar statistical year to 2021, or even, you know, 2022, uh, you know, aside from the injuries, we'd be happy to cough up the, the amount of money because of what Charlie has said. The value that he brings off the field um, is immense. You know, we're not expecting him to be kind of the, as the offense goes, this guy goes or vice versa. That's not his role. His role is, you know, to provide the spark and a little bit of pop here and there, but we don't, you know, kind of rely on him necessarily offensively. Um, so, you know, I think the ball was still in his court to, to have money to be made. Um, I push back on that a little bit. Right on. I mean, it, it's just one of those, it's just one of those players that I think we all have players that we like, that we enjoy. And outside of baseball, these are all people and we wish them nothing but the best. And we just wish that things kind of went in a different direction. This is one of those guys that if he ends up leaving Boston, he, if he ends up playing for another team and does really well, I will cheer him on. I will cheer every single time he comes to the dish if he's not a member of the Boston Red Sox. To that point, Terry, I know you mentioned that it could happen. Um, right on. So that is going to bring it to our final hot take. This comes from Danny. Uh, Dan, excuse me, I apologize. Dan Bouch or Bouch for Boucher. Boucher. 
Uh, if Sale was healthy, the Sox would 100% be buyers. A rotation of Sale, Bayo, Paxton in October would have been lethal. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to write. I would assume then by hearing saying that you feel that this team is going to be a seller. Um, but bringing on one of the earlier hot takes that was discussed, being that of uh, N. Uh, Nick face, uh, face the facts 15. Um, Paxson could win 12. If that ends up being the case and Sayo comes back along with Bayo, Bayo and Paxson have been a lethal one-two monster. Chris Sale comes back. Great. Awesome. We still have a couple of, of red flags that we have to address. No question though. Your team would be lethal. No question. Your team would probably be buyers. Maybe get a couple little pieces because you're not going to trade the farm to get pieces, uh, you know, in, into the playoffs this year, because even if you were to add another starter, another bat or two to this team, this is still not a team that I feel can win the world series right now. They could get to the playoffs, but they won't win the world series. Uh, again, thank you, Dan, for your, um, for you taking the time to, to write to us. Terry, why don't you go in first and then Cody wrap it up. Here's the bad news. Uh, Chris Sale was never going to stay healthy under any circumstances. It hasn't happened since 2018, and arguably he was not healthy in the playoffs. Remember the belly button flare-up, a.k.a. too much ibuprofen because his shoulder was messed up. Um, he was never going to be healthy, and even if Chris Sale was healthy, his ERA in the month of October is north of six. Just not a very good October guy. Great in the month of April, May, and June. Not so great in the in the in the autumn. So um I think it was incredibly stupid on Hein Bloom's part to assume Chris Sale was gonna pitch 150 innings, because that's the rotation that that Bloom came into the season with sustainability was was a huge question but he seemed to assume chris sale was gonna go 150 innings and he didn't uh cody i mean yeah it's a, a pipe dream right you, you had um one guy that hasn't put a full season together in the majors you know he had a great second half of the season but yet to see him do it start to finish uh you know knock on wood he continues on as he's been keeping on in Brian Bale. And then, yeah, you've got uh, two other guys that we haven't seen pitch a, a full season since, boy, I don't even know how long, right? Um, I admit on paper, it sounds great. It would have been wonderful to have that opportunity, you know, the way that Chris Sale was pitching prior to his injury this year um, and the way that Paxton has come back. And if we could have pieced both of those together, I think things look a lot different. And, you know, it would make sense to be – to be buyers and, you know, we could maybe patch together, you know, Duval Hernandez and maybe a little bit better of a prospect <laughs> for somebody else. Um, but it's, it's an unfortunate gamble that had long odds that, you know, we have been, we have been bitten by um, as it is currently. It's, Oh man. Like you, you never would have thought that going into the all-star break that we had taken eight of the last nine games saying what we're saying and then reading some of these takes and whatnot. But realities are, are, are uh, a part of life and a, a crucially rough reality um, that the Red Sox are going to be 
one of the biggest like kind of Cinderella slash headache teams in the second half with spans of highs and lows with easy and difficult schedules. And it's not like easy, hard, easy, hard, easy, hard. It's like really easy or really difficult. And there's no in between. And that's kind of what it feels like. You, you start off great. Then you got a rough patch, then a little easy again, then it gets ugly again, then a little easy. And then we wrap up with, I believe Baltimore and Tampa Bay for six games. If I'm not mistaken, not looking at the schedule, but that's tough. That's going to be brutal. And I think there's a really good chance if the team all gets better and let's just assume, let's assume for one second, Chris Sale comes back, no more injuries, which I know Terry believes is impossible, but miracles do happen. And, and Bayo and Paxson pitch out of their mind and the Red Sox get in there. And then you get to that last six games, the last six games. Do you trust the Boston Red Sox with Sale, Bayo, uh, I, I think I just combined their names, Sale, Bayo, and Paxton with the rest of the team there to get you into the postseason? I, I can't say yes to that. And I don't know if either one of you two could, but I, I, I can't right now. Cody. I mean, if, if Captain Sale, uh, Captain of the Sale fan club can't do it, I don't think any one of us can. And I love Chris Sale, and you guys know that. Chris Sale was my first Red Sox jersey, and, and I, I absolutely will love him. I won't say anything bad about Chris Sale. You know, truthfully, if he was, I'd buy him a beer. You know, like to- totally uh, a cool guy, but unfortunately just really, really un- unlucky with, with the injuries. And I, I know Terry thinks he'll get injured another I don't know, four or five times in the rest of the season, probably. I don't know. But uh, you know, you want nothing more than for Sale to pitch lights out and to pitch the way he did the first year he was in Boston when he was just absolutely lethal. Challenged Pedro Martinez for, I believe, the record for most strikeouts in one season as a member of the Boston Red Sox. Anything else you gents want to add? Nope, right on. Excellent. That is going to wrap it for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.